Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. My name is Cindy, and I will be your conference operator today. At this time, I would like to welcome everyone to the first Quantum Minerals Second Quarter Earnings Results Conference Call. All lines have been placed on mute to prevent any background noise. After the speaker's remarks, there will be a question and answer session. If you would like to ask a question during this time, simply press star, then the number one on your telephone keypad. If you would like to withdraw your question, press the pound key. Thank you. Mr. Clive Newell, President and Director of First Quantum Minerals, you may begin your conference. Thank you, Operator, and thanks everyone for joining us today. Uh, joining me on the call today are Philip Pascal, Chairman and CEO, Hannes Mayer, CFO, Tristan Pascal, Director Strategy, Juliet Wall, General Manager, Finance, and Simon McLean, Group Reporting Controller, and Rudy Bardenhorst, Director of Operations Zambia. As usual, before we proceed, I will draw your attention to the fact that over the course of this conference call, we'll be making several forward-looking statements, and as such, I encourage you to read the cautionary note that accompanies our second quarter MDNA and the related results news release, as well as the risk factors uh, particular to our company, which are detailed in our most recent annual information form and available on our website on CEDAR. A reminder that the presentation which accompanies this conference call is available on our website. So as usual, I'll get us started with some opening remarks. Then Tristan will provide an update on Cobre Panama before Hannes's review of the financial results. We will then open the lines to take your questions. Again, there continues to be very little that's usual these days as the pandemic continues. We have seen some easing of restrictions related to COVID in a few jurisdictions but in others, new or tougher restrictions are being put in place. For this call, this is now the second time that the majority of the participants are dialing in from home, but we are hopeful that over the next few weeks, some kind of normalcy will resume as more offices open. At the start of the quarter, globally, governments were beginning to deal with COVID-19 as, as its serious impacts were being better understood. Similarly, we had put in place various protocols and measures to protect our employees and communities, but otherwise our operations continue to operate fairly normally. In early April, as you know, a suspension of labor in Panama resulted in Cobre Panama being placed on preservation and safe maintenance, which impacted production significantly. However, as recently announced in early July, we were given the go-ahead to resume operations and we are now back on track to deliver our revised production expectations. Tristan will provide more detail on the activity at Cobre Panama in the quarter and what the plan for resumption and ramp-up entails. Despite the suspension of Cobre Panama, the quarter was really solid, both operation and financially. We delivered a significant improvement in costs and production consistent with the revised guidance. Our C1 costs were at the low end of the guidance range and our oil and sustaining costs were better than guidance. Consanchi was steady with improved throughput 
and recoveries on both mixed and sulfide ore circuits. Fentanyl was the star of the quarter. Production was at its highest level since 2018 and costs were at a record low as a result of increased throughput, lower fuel prices and currency depreciation. In May, Ravensthorpe shipped its first nickel as restart and ramp up to full production continues. We had an additional nickel shipment in June and deliveries are expected to continue monthly for the rest of the year. Although the impact of the pandemic at our operations has been manageable so far and has had a relatively modest impact operationally, I do need to acknowledge the impact the pandemic has had on our workforce, many of whom have been unable to return to their families and homes for extended periods as a result of quarantine requirements, rotation timings and travel restrictions. On behalf of the entire company, I'd like to thank our people who have made these personal sacrifices and we recognize the significant contribution they continue to make to the success of the business. I would also like to express our sincere condolences to the families and colleagues of the five members of our workforce in Panama that perished as a result of COVID-19. The company continues to place top priority on health and safety throughout our operations. And this will continue in future as we focus on measures to prevent the transmission of COVID-19 amongst our workforce and communities. Now I'd uh, like to turn things over to Tristan to provide an update on Cobre Panama. As most of you know, Tristan was GM at Cobre Panama through the construction phase until being appointed, appointed Director of Strategy earlier this year. However, he has continued to provide oversight as the operation navigates the current unique environment. So over to you, Tristan. <clears throat> Thanks, Clive, uh, and thank you to everyone who's joining the call. Certainly the second quarter at Cobra Panama was a challenging period, uh, but there were some strong successes along the way, and we're confident in the ramp-up for the remainder of the year. As Clive mentioned, at the beginning of the quarter, during the first week of April, the Ministry of Health of the Republic of Panama ordered the temporary suspension of labour activities on site in response to the COVID-19 pandemic. I'll emphasize that First Quantum acted early in response to the pandemic. When COVID-19 was declared an international public health emergency, the company moved quickly to introduce health and sanitation protocols across all of its sites. By the beginning of April at Cobra Panama, we had already implemented health and sanitation protocols and reduced the personnel on site down to around 2,800. In response to the Ministry of Health resolution, the company placed Cobra Panama on preservation and safe maintenance beginning on the 7th of April in order to ensure the safety and the protection of personnel, the environment and also the assets. And personnel levels were reduced down to about 800. Clive mentioned the, tragedy, the tragic loss of, of five members of our, of our colleagues from Cobra Panama who succumbed to symptoms associated with COVID-19 in April and May. We extend our deepest condolences to their families <clears throat> and we'd also like to thank the medical staff from the Ministry of Health who treated our people in hospital and those who continue to work on resolving the wider pandemic in the country. We've been working with government on their response to the wider pandemic and this has included donations of medical equipment including PPE, testing kits and ICU equipment and we've been helping to support families in need with food and supplies in our surrounding communities. We've always been committed to giving back to our communities around the mine and providing help and support when we can. 
In order to sanitise the mine, Cobra Panama implemented a deep disinfection program. We've been working closely with our unions, our suppliers and the local community in this. For example, from the local women's cooperative who've been producing many of the face masks of the site. And we've set a very high standard for COVID-19 protocols on the site. It's a testament to the hard work of each and every employee on the site that we were able to successfully implement these standards. Many of our people work extended rotations throughout the quarter away from their families and we thank them for their commitment and support. The temporary suspension orders from the Ministry of Health were lifted on 3rd July and we announced shortly thereafter the resumption of normal operations. We've implemented already a reopening plan under which we expect operations to ramp up to full production by mid-August. The priority for Cobra Panama continues to be health and safety of the workforce and surrounding communities and the strict protocols and sanitary vigilance remain in place as the new normal way of working. The reopening plan provides for the safe and sanitary increase in personnel on site from around 800 that were on site during preservation and safe maintenance. At the end of last week, there were around 1,450 personnel on site and we expect to be at around 1,850 personnel by the end of this week with another 600 personnel already in preemptive quarantine. Each movement of personnel currently involves 14 days of preemptive quarantine with testing at front and back to ensure no contagion. We are able to run at full production with around 2,200 frontline personnel, but we're aiming for a sustainable full complement of around 3,400 to be brought back to site in a phased manner and in line with the health protocols. <clears throat> Only essential frontline personnel are on the priority list to return to site and our support areas are working remotely off-site. We are also adapting to push new ways of working in the case of travel restrictions, such as remote and virtual maintenance support, so we can utilise our personnel's expertise from their home countries. In terms of production, during Q2 we did run at a reduced level of operations, really in order to keep vital equipment warm and dry and free from condensation in the Panama climate and to ensure good environmental standing. We were cycling through each mill train, running one at a time, and as a result, we produced around 21,000 tonnes of copper and 7,800 ounces of gold in the quarter. Recoveries were slightly impacted by the increased proportion of surface stockpiles we processed under the restricted operations, but we do expect recoveries to return to normal levels for the rest of the year. The cash costs of production in Q2 reflect the lower production level and included within the C1 and all in sustaining costs is $4 million associated with health and safety protocols, a further $6 million in costs associated with placing the operation and preservation and safe maintenance were incurred in April but excluded from cash costs. For the rest of the year, unit costs will reduce as a result of the higher production volumes, but we do expect some ongoing higher health and safety costs. In terms of guidance, we've taken a cautious approach. We recognise there are some risks out of our direct control which may yet emerge as a result of the pandemic. So production at Cobra Panama for the full year 2020 is now expected to be between 180 and 200,000 tonnes of copper and between 70 and 80,000 ounces of gold. We currently have one train running at near capacity and will bring up the remaining two trains over the next few weeks. We do have some catch-up on preventative maintenance and very confident for the operation to be fully ramped up by mid-August. 
our expectations for the remainder of 2020 and into 2021 are that we can ramp up to the 85 million tonnes annualised throughput with confidence. We're actively working on mine plans for the expansion to 100 million tonnes per annum at present and remain on track with a timetable in the 43101 for this expansion. With that, I'll now ask Hannes to take you through the finance presentation. Thanks, Hannes. Thanks, Tristan, and good day to everyone. Um, I'd like to take you to slide eight, and there's a presentation available on our website if you want to follow that um, in the presentation, and it's called Overview. In summary, total copper production was in line with the same quarter in 2019, and total unit cost C1 and all in sustaining costs achieved their lowest level in three years. Sentinel performed exceptionally in this quarter with the highest production since the fourth quarter of 2018 with record low unit costs. There were robust performances at both Consanchi and Guelph McGrain, with both operations achieving a reduction in unit costs and consistent levels of production. Guelph McGrain's C1 was the lowest in over a decade and the lowest reported all-in sustaining costs. Production benefited from Las Cruces operating at normal throughput levels compared to the impact of the land slippage last year. As Tristan had highlighted, there was reduced production at Cobra Panama as it operated under preservation and safe maintenance mode. Copper prices were relatively low for much of the quarter, but have trended upwards from the end of June into July. As a result of the recent increased prices and given uncertainty around the impact of COVID-19, the company has taken the opportunity to extend its copper sales hedge program out to December 21 to mitigate any future price risk. I will talk to this as well as to our nickel hedge program in more detail later in the presentation. The company has also hedged 151 million litres of ultra-low sulphur diesel as part of our cost management strategy. Ravensville completed the commissioning of two high-pressure asset leach circuits in April and May, respectively, with the first shipment of nickel occurring in the quarter. Production is expected to continue to ramp up throughout the third quarter. Turning to slide nine on production, total production for the quarter of 169,000 tonnes was slightly higher than Q2 2019. Sentinel's performance was particularly pleasing with higher throughput driving production to one of its highest quarterly levels, 11% higher than the same quarter in 2019. Consanchi delivered another robust performance of higher throughput and recoveries, ensuring overall production was in line with the same quarter of 2019. The has operated at normal throughput levels compared to the same quarter in 2019, which was impacted by the land slippage. Cabre Panama production was lower than planned as a result of preservation and maintenance mode operation. Gold production of 55,000 ounces was lower than the same quarter of 2019, reflecting preservation and safe maintenance as Cobra Panama and planned maintenance at Consanji. Turning to the next slide's financial overview, comparative EBITDA of $352 million in the quarter benefited from favorable movements in the hedge program and foreign exchange, as well as lower costs. There were gains. These gains were offset by 12% lower market copper price, as well as cost in ramping up production at Ravensville. 
there was a comparative loss of $84 million in the quarter and a comparative loss of $0.12 cents per share. A net finance expense of $186 million has been recognized, of which a significant portion would previously have been eligible for capitalization in the same period of 2019. But it's now expense following the declaration of commercial production at Cabaret Panama. Net debt was marginally higher than the previous quarter, impacted by timing of sales, preservation and safe maintenance period at Panama, and wrap-up cost at Ravenslaw. In addition, the phasing of tax payments was relatively high in this quarter. Uh, and then going to slide 11, which has got the comparative changes in comparative EBITDA, just depicting it and showing the impact of the metal prices uh, production, but also offset by benefits on the hedging and the um, ramp-up cost of Ravenslaw. Going to the next slide, slide 12, copper unit cash costs, both C1 and all-in sustaining costs for the quarter, were at their lowest level for three years. Copper all-in sustaining costs of $1.62 per pound and C1 cash costs was $1.20 per pound for the second quarter of 2020. The 15 cents per pound and 12 cents per pound decreased respectively compared to the same period of 2019. Lower C1 cash costs reflects in particular decreases at Zambia operations due to lower fuel costs, favorable forex, lower maintenance at Sanji, and increased production at Sentinel. Sentinel achieved a record low C1 cash cost of $1.36 per pound. Lowest C1 cash costs over a decade at Guelph McGrain with lower mining fuel cost and higher realized gold prices and the lowest reported all-in sustaining cost. C1 cash costs include contribution from Cobra Panama of $1.72 per pound, which is higher than planned as it was operating under preservation and maintenance. Lower all-in sustaining costs reflects lower C1 costs combined with lower royalties. Turning to the next Live copper hedging program outlook. Copper hedge program has been extended to December 21 to ensure stability of cash flows while maintaining compliance with financial covenants amid the fluctuations in commodity prices. The bar chart represent, presented here shows the split between swaps and collars at tw 29 July. The company had unmargined copper forward sale contracts of a little bit more than 210,000 tons at an average price of $2.71 per pound, outstanding with maturities to December 21. In addition, the company has unmargined zero-cost sales contracts for just a bit more than 200,000 tons at a weighted average price of $2.70 Pound, uh, per pound at the bottom to 294 outstanding with maturities to July 21. Approximately half of the expected copper sales in the next 12 months are hedged at an average fall price of $2.70 per pound. The company also has just under 8,000 tons of unmargined nickel forward sales contract at an average price of $6.76 per pound with maturities to February 21. Turning to the next slide on debt and liquidity profile, the company ended the quarter with $882 million of net unrestricted cash and cash equivalent and was in full compliance with all its financial covenants. 
taking into account forecasts of operating cash inflows, capital expenditure outflows, and available cash and committed facilities, the company expects to have sufficient liquidity through the next 12 months to carry out its operating and capital expenditure plans and remain in full compliance with its financial covenants. We continue to take action to manage operational and price risk and also to further strengthen the balance sheet. Turning to the next slide on 2020 guidance, as noted by Tristan, uh, Cobra Panama, Copper and Gold guidance have been reduced following its preservation and maintenance period operation. Production guidance for all other op copper operations remains unchanged. Total copper production guidance is now 725,000 to 770,000 tons compared to 755 to 805,000 tons guidance previously issued. Total guidance has been, gold guidance has been reduced to 230 to 250,000 ounces, a 20,000 ounce decrease from previous guidance. Nickel production guidance at Ravensville has been narrowed to 15,000 to 17,000 tons. Cash cost guidance has remained unchanged and has not been reduced as COVID-19 does pose some additional risk. However, we have been operating over the past quarter at the lower end of the C1 guidance and slightly below guidance for oil and sustaining costs. Total capital expenditure guidance remains unchanged, but with a change in allocation to reflect essential sustaining expenditure and phasing of expenditure as well as reduced capitalized stripping at Cabaret Panama. Full-year depreciation expense guidance has been reduced by $50 million to reflect reduced Cabaret Panama production. Thank you, and I will now hand back over to Clive. Thanks, Anas. Uh, so, Operator, can you please open the lines to take questions? As a reminder, if you would like to ask a question, please press star 1 on your telephone keypad. And we'll pause for just a moment to compile the Q&A roster. Your first question comes from Orist Wokado from Scovia, or Scotia Bank. Hi, good morning. Um, Tristan, a couple of questions about uh, Cobra Panama. Just curious, with the ramp up now uh, and the workforce remobilizing, when do you exactly expect to achieve that 85 million ton throughput rate on a sustainable basis? Hi, Forrest. Uh, yeah, so as I said, we we can run all three trains with about 2,200 people, um, but that's really the frontline guys, you know, driving trucks, uh, the operators uh, on the process plant. We'd like to get at the sustainable, the full level at about 3,400 people on site, and we'll phase that up. So mid-August, we're, we're comfortable in that. Uh, on a sustainable basis, we'd like to have that 3,400 people, and that would underline that capability. And that will come from mid-August 
uh, I think it will just get more and more reliable uh, across the year. So Q3 will still be in a ramp up uh, because of the, you know, the work over uh, July, August, and then into September. And I think you'll see Q4 at a fairly steady level, uh, all going well. Okay. And do you, given the extended uh, curtailment this year, do you see any risk to the current? Uh, guidance for 2021 at Cobra, specifically the 310 to 330 KT. Uh, Oris, no, we're not changing that guidance at the moment. Uh, yeah, as as in the capital slide, we we're looking at at uh, discretionary, uh, making sure that every capital dollar that we spend is is, is appropriate, and that includes uh, capitalised stripping. Uh, but we're comfortable in that capitalised stripping level in terms of uh, impact for next year. So at the moment, there's no change. Okay, great. And then just finally for Hannes, um, with the copper market having perked up and with a number of other mining companies starting to churn out debt, I'm just curious if you're next, just given the amount of debt maturity you have uh, starting in 2022. Hi, Oris. Uh, yeah, I mean, as, as you know, we, we proactively manage our debt. Um, so the next big maturity coming up, besides the bank maturities that sort of amortise through the period, is, is the 22 bond, as, as you mentioned. And look, we we tend to be opportunistic in that. So if the market is there, we'll we'll um, extend those maturities and go back and um, issue new bonds and extend that. But um, you know, it's a matter of the market conditions um, determining that. Great. Thanks very much. Your next question comes from Greg Barnes from TD Securities. Yes, thank you. Thanks, you, Tristan, again. On the uh, protocols, safety protocols you put in place at COBRE, um, social distancing, I assume, and what have you, do you think there will be an impact on costs? Hi, Greg. It, it, as I outlined there, there was uh, $4 million in Q2 costs from uh, the health and safety protocols, and we'll continue with those uh, more stringent protocols, and it won't cost uh, more than that, because that included a lot of the disinfection and cleaning and so on. Um, so it's a, a marginal cost, um, but yes, it, 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 it will carry on, uh, because we're running under this new normal that we all find ourselves in. So you're not really expecting a much of a change in your unit cost guidance then for Cobra as a result of all of this? No. No. And Tristan, I asked you last quarter about the Jiangxi situation. There has been some recent um, noise around that. Any further comments on discussions, progress, what have you? Uh, it, it continues in, in, in good order. Uh, so we... Um, Regular uh, email, regular communication. The face-to-face -face communication is difficult at this time, uh, but no other advancements. Okay. Just finally, from the uh, at Sentinel, the costs came down. As you've noted, record low costs for the quarter. Is that sustainable, or was there something in the quarter that was particular that helped drive that lower? Rudy, do you want to take that? Okay, yeah, no, I think <clears throat> Sentinel is, is obviously doing quite fantastically well. The production levels are up. Mining is looking good, so they've got consistently good uh, production, looking at some records set for July. Um, 
obviously the, the exchange rate, the Zambian Quattro exchange rate has a favorable, favorable uh, impact on, on costs, and I don't see uh, much of a strengthening in that exchange rate. So we'll see a continuous benefit on, on dollar Quattro exchange rate. You know where the, where the, the oil price is. Most of the agents there are oil price based, and we've we've renegotiated fuel contracts and ensured that we have excellent um, diesel fuel costs for the remainder of this year going into next year. So I think Sentinel is set to continue to impress throughout this year. Fantastic, thank you. Your next question comes from Matthew. Murphy from Barclays. Hi. Um, just as a follow-up to that one, the uh, the Sentinel uh, GNA I noticed was only a, a penny a pound. I'm not sure. Were there any funnies in that uh, number offsetting GNA? Sorry, Matt, I think we, we lost you at some stage. Can, can you repeat that question, please? Sure. Yeah, just in the back of your MDNA where you have the uh, Sentinel, uh, well, you have the cost breakdown for each operation. For Sentinel, I saw GNA was only a penny a pound, and I was just wondering if there's anything offsetting that, because uh, normally I think it's around 10 cents a pound or around there. Juliet, do you, you or Andrew want to comment on that? We can follow up if it's too detailed right now. Sure. Let, let's get back to you later on the call uh, once uh, Juliet has just looked uh, at those numbers. Sure. Okay. Can I just ask about this uh, request for arbitration? Um, can you make any comments about uh, what, what led you to um, make that request? and what it pertains to? We're advised by our legal counsel uh, to uh, provide no comments on this uh, issue, so I'm afraid we, we can't add anything to what is there pretty clearly set out in the MDNA. Um, I would like to just uh, confirm that there is no liability associated with that. We've had a number of questions uh, prior to this call, uh, but if you read it properly, um, there are no liabilities associated with it. Okay. Hi, sorry, I had my mute. I had. Can I just answer this? I had my mute button on. Sorry, on um, on um, just just going back to the GNA. It, it, it's a reclassification of of VAT non deductibles in Q1. So it's just being transferred into mining and processing lines. So it's just a reallocation. So that, so there's no sort of funnies funnies going on there. Got it. Okay. Thanks, Juliet. Um, and so uh, that I understand, uh, just back to the arbitration question, I understand you can't make any comment. I'm just wondering, um, is this uh, is the action something that uh, the uh, government of Zambia might have expected? Or, um, like, would you have uh, given them some warning that you were going to take that action before you did it? I think no comment is best. Okay. Thank you. Your next question comes from Matthew Fields with Bank of America. Uh, hey, everyone. I, I just want to follow up on, uh, uh, I think, Oris' question from the beginning about um, sort of actively terming out your, your maturities. Um, 
the the, the first kind of term loan term loan amortization came this quarter, um, and, and you you got another one in the back half of the year. Is, is the expectation that that term loan amort will be handled with free cash flow generation and cash on hand, or or would you rather kind of be more active and in, in sort of um, doing some bond issues to to clear out revolver and then clear out term loan term loan amort? Um, Matt, the, the plan is to to pay it from proceeds of operations and cash available. Um, but, I mean, we've, we've got that option as well available. If the bond market is uh, supportive, then we can always go there and, and, you know, look at terming out some of that through, through access to the bonds. Okay. Um and then, second, your uh, your capex is trending um, well below the the six seventy five guidance. I think three hundred for the first half. Is there risk um, to the downside on that full year number? If you can sort of find savings throughout the year, should we should we sort of err to the lower side of that six seventy five number? Or are there big big chunks of things happening in the second half that will sort of balance that out? Live uh, yet, or, if you like. Oh, Tristan, that's fine. Yeah, yeah, please. The, the, six, the 675 is our, is our latest. Um, sorry, I keep on pressing the wrong button. The 675 <laughs> is, is the um, is, is our latest forecast. So, so um, you, you know, I, I, I would uh, go with that. Some there is often a bit of a change in the phasing on quarter for the stripping, for example. Um, but um, you know, I, I, I think that that's the latest guidance. Okay, thanks very much. That's it for me. Your next question comes from Oscar Cabrera from CIBC. Uh, thank you, Operator, and good morning and evening, everyone. Um, if I may, you know, just tagging on to Matt's question on CapEx. Um, the reduction this year in stripping is clear from COVID Panama, but could you perhaps comment on the increase in sustaining in other topics, $50 million, where that came from or where is it going? And how do we think about sustaining topics for 21 and 22 as, as guided previously? Yes, hi there. Um, so um, we've, uh, the latest guidance on sustaining CapEx is uh, $220 million for the year. I think that we originally started with a guidance of 250 in February. Um, and that went down to 200. But there's an extra 20 million in, in the Zambian operations for essential sustaining spend on uh, equipment and mine fleet. So, so that's that. That's part of the 20. The the, the other 30 million is for um, uh, spend uh, non-sustaining spend in Panama, including on the TMS, um, so some 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 expansionary capex and small projects. So it's it's a phasing. It, it, it's a phasing largely of that spend um, and in terms of in ter sorry what was the follow-on question was that was that in, in terms of capex sustaining capex yeah, for, for next year i i, I would still year. stick with the guidance the guidance that, that we gave which i think was was around about 250 probably right thank you um and then um just wondering if you have heard anything else or any, do you have any updates on the Law 9 discussion with uh, different entities at the government of Panama? Tristan? Yeah, hi, Oscar. Uh, look, it's been difficult in this 
in this space to have the face-to-face discussions which are necessary there. Uh, the, the, the constructive dialogue um, was ongoing, but at this stage, with the situation in Panama and, and more broadly travel and so on, uh, the, 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 things are progressing, but um, slowly at this time. So no, there's, there's nothing to update there on Law 9, uh, other than you know the, the commentary around uh, the mine coming out of uh, out of uh, the, the temporary suspension of labour was very positive in terms of the understanding and impact that it has in the economy in Panama. Uh, and you know we did meet with with people during the quarter, uh, the Minister of Finance and so on. And there's a good understanding of of the placement of the uh, of the mine in the, the economic outlook in, in Panama. Right. Uh, thanks, Kristen. And hopefully that goodwill carries on. Then lastly, um, on Zambia, with the changes to the export tax and, um, and, and the VAT, um, you know, so there was about $50 million in, um, in offset that you got from the VAT. Uh, can we expect anything more, more things like that for the balance of the year? And, um, you know, has the government indicated how long they plan to, to maintain this um, um, or eliminate the, um, the export tax on precious metals? Hannes, do you want to take and, that? It, yeah. And, I mean, the export tax on precious, so that, you know, that's, that's removed. So, I mean, I don't think that's, you know, there's a plan for that to come back soon. I think on the VAT, you know, it's sort of a continuous process where some months we get offsets and look, we've had the, these offsets now in, in the quarter and then you know, sometimes sometimes it's um, it's less so. So it's a so there's no indication, but that's been the practice is that um, you know you, you get some of it back in certain certain months and and other months you don't. Okay, so you know, in terms of an affected tax rate, Hannes, what what should we be thinking about? Um, Julie, do you, I think you've got the effective tax rate, Kelsey. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, uh, we we tend it obviously gets a little bit um, complicated um, because of uh, no real tax credit for interest. So 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 we tend to guide excluding Panama and interest around about thirty percent. And um, you know, we're certainly seeing it at, at that level, at that sort of level at the moment. Okay. Well, thanks, everyone. And stay safe. Your next question comes from Carl Blunden with Goldman Sachs. Hi. Good morning. Thanks for uh, the time. It's a follow-on to some of the other comments that have been made, just in terms of. Um, views on asset sales or sales of streams to help also extend that maturity runway. Um, be interested in your latest thoughts of those, um, you know, still looking into something like that, and then uh, can those transactions progress just given the difficulties with diligence uh, under COVID right now? Do you want to do that, Tristan? Sure, Clive. Thanks, Carl. Uh, look, I think at the moment the the outlook or, or the, the environment for that has certainly improved. I think from earlier in, in Q2, uh, the copper price environment at the moment is 
um, you know, very appealing. And so actually, you know, there's, there's a little bit of, of traction and, and things moving well there. Uh, you ask a good question on due diligence. Obviously, uh, any transaction of that nature will require people on the ground, um, and you know that's that's probably the um, the the the, uh, the key deliverable to, to make happen. But in the interim, we've been able to do a lot in terms of virtual uh, management presentations, videos, and so on. And, and there's a lot of technology around that that enables one to to keep some progress. Um, and I think we're starting to see some freeing up of travel and uh, and people being able to move uh, from country to country, and and that's certainly part. So at the moment, the schedule still looks reasonable in terms of what we had thought, and and we're making progress there. That's helpful, thanks. And then, yeah, maybe this is for Hannes, and, and Hannes, maybe it's it's too specific, but. I'd be interested in your thoughts. Um, you, know, you have a cap structure that has a bunch of different elements. Some of them have uh, prepayment penalties, you know, so core protection on the bonds. Do you, how much do you think about the negative impact of that uh, core protection on, on what you pay to take it out versus the benefit of really extending the runway um, when the market is as open as it is today? Uh, look, we, we do look at those core protections. So the 22 bonds are now callable at par, uh, you know, so that's relatively easy. Um, I guess if we get a lot of cash in, um, you know, then you've just got to weigh it up, the, the cost of servicing the debt versus that, um, the core premium. Um, but it's sort of, you know, the, every year there's sort of bonds coming up callable at par, so it does help to, to take it out at sort of a relatively cheaper cost. Um, uh, that's a good problem to ask. Yeah. Uh, thanks very much. Appreciate the time, everyone. Your next question comes from Ian Rosso with Barclays. Thank you. Um, just a follow-up on um, Cobra Panama for Tristan, um, just on some of the um, just spending that you've delayed. I just wanted to get a sense of um, you, you, you said you're comfortable with production, but just wanted to get a sense of how much of that is sort of deferring into next year. And then maybe, Julia, just for the broader group, um, I recall you said in the Q1 presentation that um, CapEx guidance might not go up um, because some of the deferrals for this year are going into next year. I just wanted to get a sense if you have a better idea of uh, CapEx for next year. Hi, Ian. Look, I think Juliet was saying we, we don't see too much change from the guidance. Um, we, quite a lot of that is not deferral. It's more just that we found savings there. Uh, so at Cobra Panama, I think, you know, the one area where, where CapEx, or the main uh, component of CapEx looking forward is 100 million tonne per annum expansion. And, you know, we had envisaged some capital in the second half of the year, and we'd still like to make progress on that. Um, we, we'll, we'll, we'll see how that goes in terms of permitting, uh, ready to, to start that work. And that's probably the major one from Cobra Panama, the sustaining capital and so on that you see uh, for, for the businesses in the tailing and that needs to happen in order. What we've done there is, is, is shift the schedule a little bit, uh, but that capital would be, would, would be required nonetheless. So um, it's, just a, it's just a scheduling element there. Uh, elsewhere at Cobra Panama, the capital 
has been saved really on, on component changeouts because we haven't burn, been burning machine hours, uh, for example, on the large rope shovels. You know, those really are very chunky uh, capital commitments to do the, the undercarriage change on, on, the, P, on the, the P-Nate shovel. And so when we're not burning the machine hours, we're able to push that out. Um, uh, but the, the depreciation of that re reflects uh, in elsewhere in the business. So uh, I don't think we'll be changing the guidance, uh, and that was the comment from, from Juliet for next year's capital. Uh, and in terms of Cobra Panama, we, we're comfortable with the level that we've, we're spending in the mine in order to keep the production profile uh, correct for next year. The work that needs to go in and the work where we're putting it in is, is can we make uh, the mine run at, a, at an optimum level at 100 million tonnes per annum? But at, at the levels we're running at, around 85, we're confident of where we stand. Okay, thanks. And then just a, a follow-up on Ravensthorpe. Um, you've um, produced a, quite a small small bit of um, nickel, so I'm not sure if it was representative, but it looks like the payabilities are up a little bit. Is that is, is that reflection of changes in the contract structure with clients? Um, maybe just to give a sense of that, and are you still planning to produce mixed hydroxide going forward or um, do you intend to, to change some of that mythology around that? I'll have to answer that, Clive, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah please. Um, and the, the payability is almost the same as they were historically. We're operating in a, in a pit that's called Halebop and it's... Um, the nature of its geology and so on is that it's slightly more diverse than the earlier days of, uh, of um, that we operated in, and that's just something that we have to accommodate through this year. There's a capital project that's underway that takes us to Shoemaker Levy by the end of the first quarter next year, 2021, and that's a much larger and that's a long-term resource with much easier uh, diversity of geology and that therefore beneficiation and slightly higher grades. So, and that, that's really what you see in the projections is the rest of this year in Halbop and then um, sometime early next year moving into Shoemaker-Levy. And that's, that project is well in hand and uh, it'll carry on for the next six to nine months. Okay, but it, it, I mean, is, is with the demand in, in, I guess, nickel hydroxides or intermediate products increasing? I mean, is there an opportunity to to um, improve payabilities and sort of pricing structures for for the the product? We've done a detailed study on producing a um, nickel sulfate that's pretty pure and a cobalt sulfate that's pretty pure, and <clears throat> we will go through. We will not commit to doing that until we're in Shoemaker-Levy and producing it full output. And as you know, as one of the initiatives, we've had people to look at uh, taking a stake in, in Ravensthorpe. So we're mindful of what suits the, the various parties most. In other words, whether they'd rather have it as mixed or reoxide and handle it themselves in some way as part of that arrangement or would would they prefer it if it's upgraded? And that will get determined, obviously, in the light of uh, the outcomes of that exercise. Does that make sense to you? 
Yeah, that's that's useful. Thank you. Um, that's all for me. Thank you. Your next question comes from Jatinder Goal from Exane BNP Paribus. Uh, hi, good morning. Uh, just uh, one question on CapEx. Uh, looking at 21 and 22, out of 850, we've got 250 stripping, and you mentioned 250 on sustaining. So out of the remaining 350, how much is allocated to Latin America for each of these years? And does COVID-19 change uh, any of uh, those thinkings on spending into both Takataka and Hakira at this stage, based on the level of disruptions you might have seen and anything that might have changed in your mindset on how to deploy capital uh, for the next couple of years? Thank you. Juliet? Are you still on uh, mute? Yes, sorry. Uh, it, in terms of allocation of uh, CapEx um, for Panama, Panama um, of the 850, um, there, there, there would be about um, about 70 million of sustaining CapEx and about 150 to 160 of expansionary and other project CapEx, and then um, a portion of the stripping about 75 million would also relate to Cape uh, Panama. So just to uh, just to be clear, how much is allocated to uh, Latin America, Peru, and Argentina in that 350 um, other capex for 21 and 22? They, and if we have much, there wasn't much for. Taka Taka. So there, there was not much capital in for Argentina. We have some capital in for Peru. Um, yeah. I don't know, Philip, if you want to comment on that, maybe. But we had some discretionary uh, spend, development spend, um, of, of up to 50 million in, in those years. Okay. Yeah, Thank was, you. Yeah, as, as Hannah said, there's a, a, a limited amount allocated for both those projects, and they, it's limited because clearly we're not intending to make any decisions to go ahead with a, a significant project um, in the in the near future. And that's an undertaking we've given to the market at large, and, that, and that's our position. I mean, if the circumstances were to change, then we'd give a lot of warning to, to everyone as to why that was happening. But there's no reason for us to expect that now, and hence the relatively small allocations. Understood. Very clear. Thank you. Your next question comes from Giannis Masfalis from Morgan Stanley. Uh, yes, hi there. Good morning and good afternoon. A few questions left from my side. Um, the first one on um, cost guidance for the year. If we look at the Q2 run rate at twenty, and the fact that COBRA is ramping up, the Zambian quarter remains probably weak, and the three cents savings that you mentioned in Zambia um, looks like H2 cost um, levels could also be quite low. So, under what scenario would costs come in close to the middle or, or even the high end of the range, given that you haven't really changed anything in the overall guidance? And I'll stop here for the first question. Yes, I mean, uh, um, as Hannah um, said in his script, we, we, we've obviously been operating at the lower end of our guidance for this quarter, uh, um, around about 120, and we would um, 
you know, uh, we did consider na- narrowing the guidance, but just, just some of the risks around uh, COVID, you, you know, if there were any to sort of any stop-start interruptions or anything like that, I suppose that, that could impact uh, um, that, that could impact C1 and, uh, and, ra- and, and ramp up. So, so you, you know, we, we're, we're hopeful um, to, to come in at the lower end of guidance. Understood. It's a good question uh, in that, you know, obviously we are operating at a low cost, um, but, but it's a, a fairly conservative one because, as Juliet says, there are quite a few um, possible things that would occur, and having just come through a recent history that was not that easy to predict, it would make sense for us to to be conservative. But apropos of one of the questions that Greg asked earlier about sustaining low operating costs, we did hedge diesel. It's not called diesel, it's called uh, heating oil. That's uh, New York heating oil. It's an index, and we we um, hedged about 50% of our total use for the next 12 months, 12, right through 2021, um, at a time when the to give you a guide, because that's the only way to make sense of the figures, the oil price was $24 a barrel, which, of course, has moved from... You don't get it for $24 a barrel because it's sink and tango as the years go up. But that already looks like it was, a, you know, for virtually every year, uh, month going forward, uh, it, we would look pretty good, and therefore we can retain low operating costs. And diesel energy... Uh, a significant part of the saving because that index not just relates to the fuel that we use um, in trucks and the like, but also to things like explosives. So we have tried to make sure that we could um, retain those lower earnings, but the higher side of it, as you point out, is more function of disruption in production for some reason, which would obviously push that up. Understood. Um, that's clear. Thank you. And maybe a second question on um, the Cobra Panama production guidance. So if I take the low end, the 180,000 tons, um, and assume Q4 is back to normal, that suggests that you make no real um, progress on volume growth in Q3 relative to Q2. Um, given that you are already ramping up and assuming you get to the full run rate by mid-August, Again, would, would, wouldn't that 180 look very conservative from that ramp-up point of view? Yeah, hi, Yanis. Look, that's a reasonable perspective. It's just, uh, you know, the, the vagaries of bringing labour in and out of the site is, is really what um, that caution is about. Um, you know, I can paint a scenario for you where we ramp up very, in very orderly fashion. Um, but right now, the virus in Panama, it, it looks like it, it spiked and, and reached its maximum, but it, that would be very um, early to say that uh, with, with, um, in a definitive fashion. So we're just aware that there's a, a large body of contagion in the country, uh, and so we need to ch- be checking people very carefully as they come through. Um, and you know, potentially, if you had uh, a, a group come through we, uh, and 
and there was uh, co-transmission, then we would need we would delay that that group of people coming in. So it, it's that kind of thing that would knock you back. Um, but otherwise, yes, in an orderly fa- uh, in terms of everything ran like clockwork, then I think yes, we would definitely be pushing those numbers. Understood. And and just a last question from me again on on capex. Um, just trying to figure out, thinking about the guidance for next year, how much of that um, reiteration of the 2021 CAPEX guidance um, reflects the FX games, uh, particularly in Zambia? Because just reading through the script, it looks like you have pushed uh, out some of the um, 2020 CAPEX items into next year. So I'm trying to figure out how much offset you get through either FX or just overall like CAPEX uh, savings. Um, yeah, nice. I think, I mean, in terms of CapEx, we, we go for CapEx guidance for the outer years early in the year. So we'll have some savings, there's some rollovers, but, you know, I don't want to comment in detail on next year's CapEx. I mean, we should be ballparked the same sort of number, but I don't want to, you know, it's a, it's a detailed exercise that we go through end of the year, evaluate the new plans. And I think it's probably safe to stick with sort of similar numbers for now. Okay, thank you very much. Your next question comes from Dalton Barreto from Canuck Accord. Hi, good morning and thank you. Um, Clive, I, I know you can't comment on the arbitration, but I'm wondering if you can tell us whether or not the arbitration is related to the renewal of the mining concession at Constantia? Uh I think it's fair to say no to that. Okay, good. Thank you for clarifying. Um, Second question, I'm wondering when we can see updates on the S3 project as well as the uh, polymetallic refinery at, at Las Cruces. And how should we think about basing that, those, those projects over the next couple of years? Philip, can you address that one? Yeah. Um, Dalton, we will, during the third quarter, probably by the end of the three quarter, third quarter, come up with a 43-101 for Consanchi. And that will lay out, um, obviously, how one exploits that with consensual ore body uh, and in the course of defining its reserves. And it'll probably give um, an alternative, too, because um, th- there are some slightly different routes that one can take. And it's probably best if we leave that till then, because you'd need to see all the figures rather than, uh, than you know, speculate at this stage. Okay, and the uh, the refinery at Las Cruces, just thinking around that. Oh, that's not currently a planned exercise as much as anything because we, we have to go to an underground mine and it's a significant capital expenditure um, which we've not planned to do uh, unless unless the market is, uh, is in a very different position for us. And what I mean by that is, of course, for the next couple of years, our main aim and your discussions you've just been having with Hannes are to do with debt reduction and the like. And unless, uh, our, until our picture has changed, we're not going to undertake a, a major capital works in, in Spain for that. 
Great, thank you. And then just maybe one last clarification on something Hannes said earlier. So, Hannes, did you say that there are no plans for the export tax on precious metals to come back at this time? Well, look, I say I can't comment on that really now. I mean, you know, there's no, you know, I don't have any insight as to whether it will come back or not. So I can't really, I mean, it's out for now. But, you know, taxes, you know, if you look at the history, it's had a history of changing quite rapidly. I think most recently it's been in a better frame of mind over the last, I would say, year, year and a half, where there has been you know, some more, a bit more stability in terms of the taxes in Zambia and um, some, some relief in terms of certain of those previous tax measures that they introduced. Great, thank you. That's all for me. As a reminder, if you would like to ask a question, please press star 1. Your next question comes from Brian Lally with Barclays. Hey, guys. Uh, good morning, good afternoon. <clears throat> Thanks for fitting me in. Just uh, real quick on the cash flow side, a question I, I know I ask, I feel like, every quarter. But could you just um, maybe refresh or, or just update if there are any on the additional, you know, kind of below cash flow from ops, you know, cash usage? Um, you know, and I'd notably ask on interest expense, was there just a, a small, like, timing difference in terms of when the cash outflow was relative to, I think it's like your 23 and 25 notes. I think the coupon is technically April 1st, but maybe maybe it was paid at the end of last quarter, and that might, you know, explain why uh, interest expense was only, uh, interest expense uh, cash paid was only, I think, $66 million this quarter. Yeah, Brian, you you answered your own question there. That's that's correct. So that payment is due on the first of April. So what we we typically have to get it to the agent by the in you know day in advance. So we normally get it out thirty first of March. Got it. Okay. So I, I I thought that might be it, but I just wanted to confirm. But again, it, you know, in terms of cash interest expense, I know we get this question a lot. You know, the seven seventy to eight ten or of total guidance, obviously there's some non cash in that. Could could you just refresh what the current view is uh, of cash interest expense and then as well, you know, any additional cash items. I know I think it's ninety five or a hundred million, you know, kind of at the end of the year, uh, to, to the cores group. Is there any other items that we should just make sure we're we're modeling correctly uh, below the cash from ops uh, line? Uh, yeah, the, the cash interest is about five $50 million or so, $550 million in total for, for the year. Uh, you've got that roughly 100 or so for the um, Alice Nico payment that's due in November. And those are probably the sort of major other items. I mean, tax then varies, of course. Um, we've talked about the effective tax rate, but that sure. varies in accordance with the metal prices. Got it. And then uh, I'll just ask if it's possible to uh, to provide it. Um, what what is the current you know? And maybe it changed with the April amendment. But what's the current margin or or, or total interest expense on your term loan and revolver? I, I know that's not something that you know I think is typically disclosed. Um, but again, a question we get a lot from investors. If if you could provide it, uh, I don't. I think we've got the margin disclosed. Um, okay. Yeah, I didn't know if that's something you'd be willing to share, but if it's not something you can disclose, yeah. I understand. 
Okay. Thanks, Honest. I appreciate it. All right. And now I would like to turn the conference back over to Mr. Clive Newell for closing remarks. Uh, thank you very much, operator, and thanks everybody for joining today. If we, uh, you have any follow-up questions, uh, feel free to call myself or Lisa Doddridge, and we'll get back to you as soon as we can. So look forward to talking to you in three months' time. Bye. Ladies and gentlemen, this does conclude today's conference. Thank you for participating. You may now disconnect. Presenters, please hold. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.